Provision is identity management built for community banks to empower unprecedented breach protection, automated management of the entire employee lifecycle, and powerful audit-ready documentation. For more information or to schedule a demo about Provision Identity Access Management, please visit ProvisionIAM.com. Hello and welcome to the MBA Today, a podcast all about Maryland banks and bankers, their history, legacy, and the people that make it all happen. I'm your host, Eric Nutter, and in today's episode, we're speaking with Carissa Rodehaver, CEO, President, and Chairman at First United Bank and Trust. Hey, Carissa, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you today, Eric? I'm doing very well. The weather is great, and, uh, you know, it just brings out good moods in people when it's, when it's nice <laughs> out. That's for sure. Sunshine certainly makes us all feel a lot brighter yeah, <laughs> inside and out. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Carissa, uh, as part of this series, uh, we, we've been talking with, with bankers all over uh, the state of Maryland and as, as part of the 125th anniversary with the MBA. And so let's start where we start with everybody. Tell, us, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role at First United Bank and Trust. Yes, Eric, I'm the president, CEO, and chairman of the board here at First United Bank and Trust, as well as for First United Corporation. Um, I've been with the the bank for going on 30 years now, Um, been in my role as CEO for about five and a half years. Prior to that, I served as the chief financial officer at the bank for for 12 years and uh, was with our our wealth department for 12 years before that. So I've I've been with the bank for, for quite a while. I'm very fortunate to have been with the same bank for my entire banking career. Wow. What what got you into it to begin with? Into banking? Um, it actually, it's it's kind of a, a funny story in that um, I, I happened to, to grow up with the daughter um, of a, a banker here at First United and um, talked with him. I started in public accounting and, and then moved into more corporate accounting. And then I had a conversation with him and he said, have you ever thought about banking? <laughs> and I really hadn't uh, prior to that. So it was, it was quite a, an interesting experience for me to, to talk with him. And, and he was telling me a little bit about their wealth department where they had an opening at that point in time. So um, just understanding the, how I could apply my, my knowledge as a, a certified public accountant and my, you know, analytical background, um, you know, with the, the investments and and wealth management really just seemed to be a good fit for me. That's awesome. So, and obviously, uh, obviously you fell in love with it because you've stuck around for, for quite a while. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about that, that, that experience over the course of those years. Yeah, you know, uh, as I mentioned before, I, I really started off um, you know, in the wealth department and, and just truly uh, came in as an administrator, truly loved working with people and, and working with them on their finances. I uh, became a certified financial planner while I was working in the wealth department. Um, so it really just broadened my my experience uh, a bit there. Um, but I was naturally gravitating towards the, the I, I would say, the, the sales side and, and really just looking for, for new prospects and, and continuing to develop out relationships. So moved from that administrative role into 
into more of a sales role um, and then moved into sales management. So, you know, really had just kind of a, a broad spectrum within the wealth department. Um, as part of that, I really started to, to work with the bank in some of the strategic planning sections. And uh, I think it was when the CFO role opened up that the uh, executive bank recognized that I had my certified public accountant's license, my CFP license, um, and I had some operational and sales experience. And, and I think they really just saw that as an opportunity for the bank to have someone that was, you know, really well-rounded, um, seeing both sides, the administrative side as well as the um, the sales side of the bank. So um, that's where my opportunity for CFO, CFO rolled around and, and just kind of developed on from there. Great. Well, let's talk a little bit about First United. Uh, can you tell uh, our listeners a brief history of the bank and, and particularly its impact on the local community? Sure. Uh, First United was founded in 1900, so we are also over 120 years old, similar to the to the MBA. Uh, we're a $1.8 billion publicly traded bank, um, and we're located in Western Maryland, um, as well as, nor- as North Central West Virginia and the Panhandle of West Virginia. Um, we have about 25 branches and a financial center, and those are located throughout eight different counties between West Virginia and Maryland. And, you know, as we, we look at the bank and, and what we do, we really have a, a strong presence in our communities. Uh, as a community bank, you know, our associates are local. They uh, typically are, you know, from the community. Uh, where they work. They're deeply involved with the the nonprofits and the schools and churches and sports associations located throughout their communities. Um, You know, the the one thing that we do continue to pride ourselves in as a community bank, uh, we have local decision making. And, you know, we really are, we find it important to reinvest back into our local communities. So much of the the deposits we bring in are loaned right back out into those same communities. The vision here at the bank um, is an uncommon commitment to service and solutions. And and, you know, I think that's really what we're all about. We're, we're about talking with our customers, you know, asking questions, finding out what their needs are, and then really customizing financial solutions to fit those needs. And the size of the bank being, you know, $1.8 billion, you know, we, we really feel like we're big enough that we're able to, to take care of all of the financial needs, but we're small enough to customize. And, and I think that's what really creates that, that unique place for us in our communities. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the the thing that has stood out to me most um, walking through uh, many of these uh, interviews and, and podcast recordings has been just that that level of passion and that that care for the community. It sort of it shines through in in all the community banks in Maryland and speaking with everybody that that seems to be the thing that that kind of holds it all together, I, I feel like. Well, and and that's absolutely correct, Eric, that, you know, I think that as we look at the values and those things that are important to us as a company, you know, we look for for some of those underlying values in the the people that we hire and in our associates. And, you know, one of those is being passionate about helping people. And, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, that's but most bankers, you know, are passionate about if they if they last in the in the industry for, for any length of time, you know, it's, it's really that passion for for helping people. And for us, it's helping people with their finances. So, you know, that's a I think that's something that certainly is common amongst many bankers and many of the community banks that are here today. Yeah, it's really rewarding to see and to hear uh, time and time again with with everyone across the industry. It's really um, it's it's. It, it's humbling and it, it feels good. You you feel like you're a part of something. 
That's right. And, and, you know, again, that's, that's what I think um, really stands out, particularly here in Maryland, is I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of the the bankers across the state um, is the camaraderie that we have with each other, um, but also that that passion for for serving. And you know, I think that was particularly uh, prominent over the last year. Oh yeah, for sure. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about the MBA. So this podcast uh, was started in part as a celebration of the 125th anniversary of the MBA, which began back in 1896. Uh, so we're asking each guest this question. Um, tell us a little bit about the changes that you've witnessed in the landscape of banking over your time in the industry. And does anything stand out to you? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that, that stands out is, is the, the competition and, and who we compete against. You know, typically, you know, for, for many years, it was uh, financial services, you know, really the competition was banks and credit unions. Um, but now it's just expanded out to just a broader field. You know, technology, I think, has been the catalyst to moving banking forward and to allowing us to, to really be competitive with not just banks, but non-bank um, institutions and fintech providers as well. So I think that's been a big change that, that we've seen, um, certainly in, in banking over my 30 years. Um, but, you know, I think that, that the other thing is is that we've really had to, to learn to be lean um, and to be really highly focused on efficient operations. That's very important for us today, um, particularly for community banks, um, you know, for, for our survi- survival is to, to make sure that we're focused on um, not just, you know, the, the revenue, but also on the, the operations side of things and, and being as efficient as possible. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately, that's caused a lot of consolidation. So that's something that, that you know, we've definitely seen a lot of. Um, I was particularly over probably the last 10 to 12 years. Um, but I'm a firm believer in community banking and, and the need for community banks um, you know, today. And, you know, i as I mentioned earlier, I think that we've seen over the last year, particularly with the pandemic and PPP, um, the need for flexibility and, you know, the considerations that, that we've shown to local businesses and consumers um, really has, has proven that, that you need that that flexibility, that agility, that ability to be able to to customize and to work with borrowers as well as depositors. And, you know, it's, it was important on both sides for the last year. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, you mentioned the, the pandemic and technology. Talk a little bit about the, uh, the experience at First United and what was the, the, the need for technology and, and how, how well of an adaptation did, did the bank do during the pandemic? And because a lot of people went remote and so a lot of, uh, there was a lot of need for technology very quickly to ramp up. You know, it, it, I say that we were either lucky um, or our timing was, was just really good because going, um, going into to 2020, we had just ordered, um, you know, a supply of laptops. So, you know, we were, we were in a good position when the pandemic hit um, to be able to, to very quickly, um, you know, move around and, and adjust our workforce to give them the ability to, to work off-site. Um, many banks I know struggled with trying to get the laptops at that point. We we had just 
been fortunate, um, I think, at that point that we had ordered um, our laptop, laptops for our, our normal rotation. Um, so they came in. We were able to, to deploy those new laptops and, and really just get people working off-site very quickly. Um, and, you know, we, we ran tests early on to make sure that our remote network would be able to handle the traffic. Um, and so I just, I really hand it to our IT department. They, they exercised our, our business continuity plan, um, which I believe now, having seen it in, in action, is, is really a state-of-the-art plan. You know, we certainly had to adjust some, but I think that was the fortunate thing for the banking industry is that we were ready. You know, the, the plans were in place. We knew what we needed to do, and, and we really executed on those plans quickly. Um, you know, as we moved through the process and, and we had people working off-site, um, we really saw very few uh, bumps in that road. I, you know, obviously, I think it was somewhat um, invisible to, to most of our customers. They didn't feel um, any of those those bumps. Uh, the other thing that, that, you know, from a timing perspective, over the last years, we have been renovating our branches. So we've been updating a lot of the equipment um, within our, our network, which gave us the ability to, you know, for our drive-throughs, you know, we've had updated drive-throughs that were able to handle some of the heavier usage um, that we did see during that time period. Um, and internally, we had the recyclers, you know, different things that I think kept people from handling the cash so much. So a lot of the concerns that, that you had during the pandemic and, and the need for, you know, a lot of the special cleaning and, and PVP equipment and that type thing, um, we were able to, to utilize some of the technology that we had implemented into to our branch network. So that was all very helpful for us, um, particularly during the the. PPP period, you know, as everyone's familiar with uh, that triple P, um, you know, we we started off um, manual. We, you know, we were handling that that process really from a manual perspective. Um, but the the one thing that I that I will say, and and, and Eric, that just happens to be you, is that <laughs> you know, our marketing department adapted very quickly um, and was able to bring our website. And you know, we've been noted as having one of the best websites around, um, providing information and, and education for, for those who, who really were trying to understand um, what was happening throughout this process. So it was very timely communication um, and, and very useful communication, not just for our customers, but also for, um, for the accountants and the attorneys and, and, you know, the people in the area that, that really just needed to, to understand how, you know, the process was working. Uh, so that technology was very important for us. And then, you know, the other thing that, that we were able to do was to, to stand up some software um, that allowed us to, to enter applications and to just make the whole process much more efficient um, and to, to really be very timely for our customers, which, you know, I think is, is part of what allowed us uh, when that second round of money was released um, to get our full backlog backlog of applications through. And I think if I recall, we had about a little over 400 applications sitting in backlog. Yeah. Um, so we were able to to get those into the system and we were ready as soon as that, um, that second round of, of funding became available um, to get those uh, applications into the system and processed through the SBA. Um, so technology was a huge part of us being able to, to operate. Um, and then the, the last thing that I would think I would mention uh, with respect to that was from a communication perspective. Um, we had teams um, that we were starting to use on, on our systems, probably not as much as, as we could have. Um, and, you know, we were very quickly able to, to adapt to holding a lot of our staff meetings um, through virtual virtual meetings, um, 
We also started a, a communication process for, for all of our associates. We had, at first, a daily newsletter going out, uh, an email that was being provided to all associates just to keep them up to speed with what was happening, um, not just within the bank, but within our communities and, and within the states that we operate in. Um, but, you know, in addition to that, you know, both domestic and globally, what was happening with respect to the pandemic. Um, and then we started uh, what we call a Be Informed call, which was to bring our associates together once a week um, so that we could talk with them and communicate and they could see us even though we weren't able to, to travel around to the branches. Um, and I think that was important um, to try and help people feel connected and to maintain some of our culture uh, throughout the last year and a half. So, you know, a lot of things that, that we learned during the pandemic, we've recognized as best practices that we do intend to carry forward. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the, it, to be a part of that as that was all happening, I mean, it, it, uh, at the outset of it, of course it, it felt daunting and this enormous Absolutely. thing, but, um, to see everyone come together and the plans that had been put in place for, for years, I mean, we, it's, you know, it wasn't just something thought up overnight. It was to your point, you, you mentioned we, we had been planning for a long time for something, like this to to happen and and to be able to be ready and to see those plans take place and and everybody pitch in and and do what needed to be done to to kind of make things happen is was really rewarding to see that and just uh heartwarming really to see everybody just do what they could to to help out Oh, you're absolutely right. And and I think that, that that just goes to the heart of of what we were talking about earlier, you know, it it's that passion for, for helping people. And I think that's really what drove, you know, all of our associates. And I think a lot of community bankers, you know, throughout, um, you know, the, the state of Maryland and West Virginia, where we operate, was we just wanted to help people. And, and we were very passionate about that mission. And people were just willing to do what they needed to do and, you know, and adjust. And, you know, really, I think in many situations, you know, we had people on the front line that, that put their health and safety, you know, aside. Yeah to try and make sure that our customers were taken care of. So, so from a, a bank perspective, that was something that was very important to us was making sure that they stayed safe. And, and you know, we were able to, to try and provide an environment where, you know, both our, our associates and our customers, um, their, their health and well-being was, was top of, of mind for us. For sure. Now, and you mentioned, uh, the technologies that obviously impacted the way that, uh, the way that our customers bank, with us, but then the changes that we had to put in place as well to allow people to, to whether it be work remotely or, or do transactions differently in the branches. Um, do you see, what, what do you see in the future? Do you see some of those things staying, staying in place as is, or do you see some sort of mix? You know, I think I, I will use the well-used word that, that I think we're all hearing a lot of today, and I think it's hybrid. You know, I think we're going to to see that, that much of the the adoption of technology will continue, but I am a firm believer that that people still want to talk to people. Um, so I think that personal service is is going to be even more important as we go forward in setting ourselves apart and and really being able to to provide. Um, perhaps a, a higher level of, of attention to our customers and, you know, more specialized services to them personally, um, allowing technology to handle, you know, many of the day-to-day the -day types of transactions. So I think it's going to be a hybrid. I think we're going to, to see a lot of this, this adoption of technology continue. 
Um, and I think that it's up to us to find the right mix of, of where we can add that personal service and that personal touch that, that is, I think, very unique um, to our industry. Awesome. Well, Carissa, as you know, the MBA plays a large role in helping to promote the strength and success of Maryland banks and bankers. Can you tell us and tell our listeners what has the MBA meant to you over your career? You know, the, the Maryland Bankers Association provides the, the political advocacy and the support um, that the banking industry needs and, and must have in the state of Maryland. Uh, I think it's critical to our ability to, to be able to thrive and, and to prosper um, in this state because it gives us a voice in Annapolis. Um, and it also gives us connections with our state financial commissioner and other regulators. So I, I believe that, that those are, are probably the crux of, of what MBA does for us. But it also offers education and, and up-to-date information on, on the changing laws regulations. Um, and for us, you know, our bank utilizes uh, economies of scale that they are able to provide for, for compliance, you know, as well as for insurance. So, you know, I think all of those things are, are very important for us to, to make sure that, um, you know, we, we are taking advantage of what the MBA offers. Um, but, you know, I, I can't underestimate the, the value of the, the network, you know, our ability to network with each other and to create relationships with other bankers. So that's, that's been something that's been very important to me uh, by being part of the, the Maryland Bankers Association. Absolutely. What, what has your involvement been? Um, you know, over, over the last <laughs> few years, I've, I've actually had the pleasure of, of serving bankers across the state in, in a leadership role with the MBA. Um, you know, I've, I've served on the board of directors uh, for, for many years now. And in the last, um, I guess it's been three or four years, I served uh, in the chairs. So I was happened to be the, the chair when the pandemic hit. So half of the year, the first half, uh, really dealing with, with what was happening, you know, in, in our current environment um, was a, a big role that I you know, was able to pay, play both as chair and past chair. Um, and, you know, it was through that involvement, I think that, that I truly started to, to witness, um, the, you know, the, the value that our state association provides um, to the industry as well as is the role that they play for, you know, for the individual bankers, um, you know, across our state. Absolutely. Well, and, and I mean, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that uh, you were recently recognized, actually, uh, in the Daily Records Power 30 Banking and Financial Services list of um, most influential leaders in the, the banking industry in Maryland. And I, I'm sure that in no small part is is uh, partially you know due to your leadership through the pandemic with the MBA as well as everything else that, that you uh, contribute to. So I want to say on behalf of everybody, thank you for, for your leadership there. Oh, thank you, Eric. And, and, you know, I was, I was very humbled to be part of that group that, you know, along with, with many other um, bankers who have just really, uh, I think stood out and taken leadership roles over the past several years in Maryland. So it was, it was a very humbling experience. Uh, I know there are probably many other bankers that deserve to, to be on that list as well. So, you know, I think that, that, you know, I, I look at myself as just representing, um, you know, Maryland bankers and, and the industry as a whole, but it was certainly a, you know, my honor. Uh, to be named and, and thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate your thoughts there. Yep. Well, Carissa, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, before we wrap up, are there any closing thoughts, anything you'd like to, to say? 
you know, I, I really would just like to 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 say thank you. Uh, Maryland Maryland bankers are very blessed. To, to have a very committed group of, of individuals serving on the board as well as for the, the staff of, of the Maryland Bankers Association, um, currently under the, the leadership of Ramon Luby. And, you know, I think that, that they provide innovative ideas uh, for moving our industry forward. And, you know, I know that, that I'm deeply impressed with the fact that, that the association has been around for 125 years. And, you know, they just have such a rich history. Um, and, you know, I'm also impressed with the camaraderie that, that really exists between, you know, Maryland banks and bankers. Um, you know, so I, I will close by saying uh, thank you. I just really appreciate all that, that our bankers have done throughout the last year and a half as, as we've certainly dealt with the, the pandemic and, you know, serving our, our customers, serving our communities, and, and really being, I think, that, that first row of financial first responders. Um, you know, I believe that, that, you know, our banks played a, a big role in helping to to move our economy, you know, through through this um, through this pandemic and and through the last few years, so so my thanks and, and gratitude certainly go out to to all bankers in the state of Maryland as as well as West Virginia, where we are also located. Well said, Carissa Rodehaver, CEO, President, and Chairman at First United Bank and Trust, headquartered in Oakland, Maryland. I want to thank you once again sincerely for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Eric, and you have a great day. You too. That brings us to the end of our show. You can always find more episodes by visiting our website, mdbankers.com slash podcast. You can also always leave feedback, ask questions, or request a topic for us to discuss by sending an email to mbapodcast at mdbankers.com. The Maryland Bankers Association is the leading advocate, trusted partner, and exceptional resource for Maryland banks and the banking industry. We thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with more MBA Today. Until then, remember, together we represent one voice. And as an industry, we make a positive difference in the communities that we serve. Have a great week. The 125th podcast series is brought to you exclusively by Provision Identity Access Management. Eliminate the manual work of account provisioning by utilizing Provision's role-based automation. Banks can dramatically improve efficiency and be confident that they are audit-ready with detailed reporting capabilities. Schedule a demo or learn more about Provision Identity Access Management. Go to provisioniam.com.